Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. Thanks so much for joining us right here at the PCC Multiverse. We've got a great episode for you. want to make sure that you know what's coming up for today's show. First up, it's TJ Johnson talking about The Last of Us. He has seen Season 1 and had to share his thoughts. Plus also as well, with Season 3 being the final season of Ted Lasso, former host of the PCC Multiverse, Marcus De La Garza, is also coming up on deck later on in the program to talk about his thoughts and memories on Ted Lasso. And last but certainly not least, it is the regular host of the PCC Multiverse, Melinda Barkhouse-Ross. She's back to talk about John Wick 4, which is heading to theaters this weekend. Also as well, she's got a bone to pick with Blizzard and Kentucky Fried Chicken after the debacle of last week's Diablo 4 beta, but is still very excited about what's coming up for the open beta for Diablo 4 this weekend. That and some more topics coming up. Glad to have you aboard. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on what we're doing here. So please go ahead. If you're watching Secession, if you're catching the final season of Ted Lasso, if you're catching John Wick at the theaters, please go ahead and let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But first up, TJ Johnson right now talking about season one of The Last of Us. It is TJ Johnson, my good friend, such a great part of what we do here at the Cosmos. You knew we would go ahead and approach this in regards to The Last of Us. And the thing is that first strikes me is that so many people want to talk to me about The Last of Us. More people want to talk to me about The Last of Us than probably any other pop culture entity I've ever covered. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and, and because it's just had that effect on people, whether they played the games or not. I've had people reach out to me and I'll say, yeah, oh, sure, let's go ahead and talk. So I'm hoping to get all these interviews done in regards to The Last of Us and their thoughts on it, because I'd love to hear what they, they think about this. Because, again, I've said before, and I will say it continuously, <laughs> that this is by far and away the best video game adaptation of all time. And I know it's setting the bar real high, but it deserves it. And the way that season one closed out, yes, we knew much of what was going to go on if you played the games. But even if we played the games, we're still experiencing it and enjoying it just as much or in some cases even more than what the general audience who hasn't played the games are seeing it. But your thoughts, my friend, the... The season conclusion, episode mm -hmm. nine of The Last of Us, and then also your thoughts on the entirety of season one and how it came out. Wow. Um, well, you know, gee, we, you and I have talked ad nauseum about how awesome this uh, this particular series has really, been. Really, we barely even touched is. the surface on it. <laughs> um, it's just been it's just been that that good, uh, Gerald, and uh, I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, I know for a fact that this is the best video game adaptation ever. And I know that because I've pretty much seen every video game adaptation ever. And they've all sucked. 
Um, so I am very, very happy to co-sign uh, co that. Yes, this is the very best video game adaptation ever done. Um, we, as you as you alluded to, we 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 knew how this was going to end. We knew how season one was going to end, and I think that the difference for me in watching season one end versus playing The Last of Us up through the end of the first game was that now I'm just a I'm I'm not an active participant. I'm just a passenger, so I'm just along for the ride. So being able to be just along for the ride, it allows me to have a certain level of disconnect, but also be able to watch with a certain sense of, uh, with, a, with a different set of eyes. So when I say that, I say that because when you're playing the game, you're you're active, right? So it's almost like they, 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 they work very hard to put you in a position to feel like you're Joel, to feel like you're Ellie in those circumstances or in those situations where you're, you're taking control of them. So the decisions that are made are very much more personal, right? I personally felt attached to Ellie. I personally wanted Joel to go through and take everybody out to get back to Ellie. I personally wanted that. And even watching the show, I wanted that as well. But I was also able to look at it a bit more objectively and say, you know, this particular, this potential thing that he's about to do will have ramifications for the, potentially ramifications for the rest of the world to the end of time, possibly. Um, understanding those ramifications, it, it, it puts a little bit more weight on what Joel did. And it puts a little bit more weight on um, how we look at Joel. If he is just this loving father figure that we've all come to love and admire and adore, or if he truly is the villain of The Last of Us, um, it's going to be up to the individual to make that decision. And I think one of the things that I can appreciate about Neil Druckmann and, and what he's done and uh, Craig Mazin, what they've done with this show is it's still garnered the same kind of conversations that the game garnered, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 years ago at this point. Um, we're talking about the same things. We're talking about if the, the decision was the right one to make going in there and, and, and saving Ellie versus allowing Ellie to die. And arguments can be made on both sides, you know, were the firefighters truly capable of doing the things that they thought they were able to do when they could barely get out of their own way at the time? I don't know. I personally don't believe that they were going to be able to synthesize a cure from her. And then the fact that they were going to do this and they didn't tell Ellie it was going to cost her her life. They just told Ellie that, you know, they were going to have to use um, her to figure out a way to make a vaccine, a cure. And then how are you going to dispense this cure? How are you going to dispense this vaccine? How are you going to uh, ensure that the dead stay dead? How are you going to ensure that the cordyceps don't grow anymore? Like there's so many different possibilities of maybe, and they've just not proven themselves to be very capable, uh, very uh, good at what they do. Um, nothing about them gave me a sense of, okay, these guys got it together. So I don't feel bad about what Joel did. I still don't feel bad about what Joel did. I still think it was the right decision. But being an active or a non-active combatant, if you will, a non-active uh, part of this show or this game or this series. Well, you're an active combatant on this show. I will tell you that. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. But in regards to this particular series, it, it, it does at least offer you the opportunity to really have a conversation, right? Because now you're not in the driver's seat. You're just watching. So now it doesn't feel as personal. Would I have made the same decision? I know as my wife and I were watching it, 
uh, we were both very candid. We said, well, <laughs> if this is our child, right, if this is our child and it's either A, they live and the rest of the world doesn't get a vaccine or B, they die, but the world lives. Well, you know, the human race had their chance, you know, and, and, and if this means that the human race ends with our child, then so be it, because we're not killing our child. We're not letting our child die. Um, but those are conversations that, you know, you have, and those are dialogues to, those are water cooler moments, right? That's, that's those things that you talk about, but they actually can then spur on more conversations about deeper topics. And I think that's a great hallmark of a good, a good movie, a great game, uh, whatever your whatever your source of entertainment comes from, that's how you know it's good when it causes you to have conversations outside of the realm of that particular story, but that are sparked from that story. Um, it's been such a breath of fresh air to be able to have these conversations with people that have now watched the show and they talk about, you know, does it happen like that, just like that in the game? Or does, does this happen like this in the game? Or does that happen? And it's been fun to say, you know, yes, a lot of these uh, is pretty much beat for beat. That the, the only things that that I feel very privileged as playing the game is with this show, we've got a, a much more fleshed out Last of Us experience as opposed to a very linear focused, um, either in the perspective of Joel, I'm in the perspective of Ellie experience. I've gotten a much more fleshed out. I've gotten to spend more time with Bill and Frank. I've gotten to spend more time understanding how Ellie got to be who Ellie is. We got to spend time with uh, Ashley Johnson, who was the original voice of Ellie, playing her mother and how she gave, you know, how she gave uh, Marlene the switchblade that was then given to Ellie. Um, there, there's so much backstory that we got that we didn't get the opportunity to experience in the game for budget restraints, for storytelling restraints, for gameplay restraints, whatever the case may be. We didn't get that history. But we got it in the in, in the show, so I'm 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 very appreciative of having played the game first because now I have a much more fleshed out idea of what that world really looks like. Once again, it's T.J. Johnson talking about his thoughts about The Last of Us season one, and of course the season ending episode right there for you. But before we head on out, my friend, you've been so great as far as covering The Last of Us. Your passion in in such a way has been so great a part of what we've been talking about when it concerns the last of us when you see this video game adaptation come to life i talked to melinda about this as well as far as you know what this may do for video game adaptations now that this has set the bar extremely high for what we hope to see going forward please take note paramount and halo I want to ask you real quick, though, will we see entertainment industry at large take video game adaptations more seriously? Because you know, as someone who has seen every video game adaptation (laughs) and how bad that they are, you can see from the get-go that it's not just about the source material, oh, we got to keep it exactly like the game. No, it's understanding the game itself what best parts to take from the game and what great parts to add to it. Do you see more entertainment industries, you know, uh, stalwarts that are out there, studios, uh, companies out there that are looking to go ahead and streaming networks. Do you think that you will start to see video game adaptations thought of on a more serious level? Because Netflix 
with a couple mm. of its animated series mm. and video game adaptations, have done an extremely good job of relating to the source material. Do you think that the bar has now been set and that other entertainment companies will now try their very best to reach that status with other video game adaptations? You know, uh, that's a great question, Gerald. I think that yes and no. And and here's why I say that. We, we need to be very, very clear about uh, a couple of things. One, The Last of Us was lightning in a bottle. And when I say lightning in a bottle, the, the, the story, the world building that was done by Neil Druckmann and his team back in 2013 when this game came out was so sound it was done in such a way that it really didn't it really did make us want to learn more about it um but it had such a strong foundation i think that it's going to be I, I think that really is the key it was a fantastic story first and foremost before it became a video game it was a fantastic story and then the gameplay mechanics added to that story and made it this experience that uh, we've now had over multiple generations of, of consoles and now multiple mediums in regards to having it on, on television. So I think, yes, they're going to be more willing to do video game adaptations, but I think they're going to be more selective on the video game adaptations that they do. Things that have a, a, a broader story that's not as concise as The Last of Us, and I'm looking at Paramount's Halo, I think they're going to have a harder time doing adaptations for it. I think you have to have a very concise story that has very, very well fleshed out um, world building. And I know I've said this before, and I'm going to get a lot of slack for it, but you also have to be willing to have stories that have a definitive end. And when I say definitive end, you know, we're still pumping out, they're still pumping out halos. So it's not over. And that means that the world building is not done because it's not over. Here's the problem. The problem with that is that because it's not over, it's going to be very hard for you to do any real world building because the world is still being built. With The Last of Us, they made that game with the intent on it being just that, just a game. And it was only going to be, they didn't know they're going to have sequels. They didn't know they're going to spawn this, this cult following, if you will. They did that with the intent of it being just one game. And they put all they could into just that one game. And in doing that, if that game would have ended just like that, they would have been completely fine with it, with the ending on that cliffhanger of Ellie looking at Joel and saying, okay. They would have been just fine with it. Now, obviously, sales and word of mouth and marketing and you know reception proved that it was going to be more than just one game but when you're writing that story they were okay with that and so they put everything they had into that story and you can feel it you can feel it in the game you can feel it in the tv show in that first season they put everything they had into that story so it was such a well-crafted story and such a well-crafted experience that 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 was an easy video game adaptation Mm -hmm. that was an easy you really just needed to follow the source material what happens is you get a lot of these companies that want to adapt the source material, but make it their own. And that's the problem with problem. That's the problem with directors is directors aren't good story creators because, but they're good at retelling people's story. And the problem is everybody thinks that they can retell uh, a story better and not everybody's capable of doing so. Paul Wes Anderson has been trying to be, was trying to be Resident Evil for how long? And he just couldn't, I mean, none of his, none of the movies came out good. It's not for everybody to do. And yeah, but I will say though that that he made a billion dollars 
yeah, you know, with it, you know, absolutely. with Mila Jovovich, sure. they they combined they, those movies made over a billion dollars. So Sony, seeing that, jumped right back into the Resident Evil series after he was done with it. So obviously they didn't see it as a loss for them, even though critically, you and I both thought that most of those movies are pretty much throwaway at best. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and yes, they, they grossed in tons of money and, and that's great. I, I'm not saying that people aren't going to want to fly to those films, but what I am saying is that when it comes to legitimate video game adaptations, where people are really looking at the source material and taking it for what it is, mm-hmm. they're going to be much more judicious or much more selective, excuse me, in what games that they use for that particular adaptation. Um, games that are going to have a much uh, a rich world building aspect to them, or a rich storytelling aspect, they're going to have an easier time adapting. And if they speak, and if they're going to make the decision to stick close to the source material, so yes, I think they are going to be doing more of it. But I think they're going to be more selective over which stories they look to tell. Once again, it's my good friend TJ Johnson. TJ, love hearing your thoughts on everything in pop culture: The Last of Us. Mass Effect, video game remakes, DC, WWE, 2K23. Uh, I've run you through the gamut, my friend. But any <laughs> last thoughts before we head on out? You know, uh, Joe, like I've I've been saying, uh, I'm I'm just grateful to be a part of it. But I, I will say that this is a very very awesome time to be a, a fan of pop culture. There's just so many different avenues to get your pop culture fixed. There's so many different ways to. Uh, connect with people who share similar interests and and who share and who maybe have differing interests or differing ideas on on certain things. But it's awesome that we have such a powerful uh, medium to explore those topics, explore those conversations, and give people a place to 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 go and talk about that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm grateful, you know. And I know I say this every time, and I, I don't want everyone to sound like I'm just phoning it in. But Jared, I am grateful to have an opportunity to talk to you about this stuff. Uh, all the time so thank you for having me on the show again well i'm just so glad our shows work out a lot better than our ncaa tournament brackets that's all i'm saying (laughs) for sure that's i look at it now it's like a disaster zone i mean it just (laughs) man my gosh it's pretty bad indeed but uh friend it's just great to have you here looking forward to our next conversation right here in the pop culture cosmos You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Here, Imran. So if you offend everyone at once, it all it's a wash. I've covered everybody. Anthony. Sorry, I was texting. Say that again. And Rug Boy. Yeah, whenever there's a snowstorm, my slack hole tightens up. As they talk over one another. Just exactly uh, the same Connor as, was J- the as Terminator. We're talking over each other. It's fine. Sorry. And ask you for money. Just give us the money. Witness the hubris as they claim to be the world's authority on comic book movies. Who said that? Never said that. You've never said that. Who cares? A jock said that. Comic book, TV, movie reviews, news, and whatever they choose. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. It can't be silly, goofy fun. Seriously, people really listen to this. Uh, Jock and Nerd! And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks so much for watching and listening, everyone. Please go ahead. If you like what we do each and every time out, go ahead and subscribe today. 
Pop Culture Cosmos, wherever you get your podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you get your social media. We cover the latest news and trends each and every week, each and every day, in fact, right there for you at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. And one of the things that we always cover when it pops up, even when they are at the White House, is the cast and crew of Ted Lasso. And I had to be the bearer of bad news a couple of months ago. I had to tell a longtime friend of mine, a guy who was such a great part of this channel for so many years. Uh, he was the host of the Friday's PCC Multiverse and did such an outstanding job. You can check out all of our great shows in the archives of Pop Culture Cosmos. But I did have to go ahead and be the bearer of bad news that Ted Lasso, his ultimate favorite show, a show that which he has stood by for going on three seasons now <laughs> unfortunately according to apple tv plus and the folks behind ted lasso the creative minds i don't think apple tv plus like that news either but they said that this will be the last season for ted lasso i still hear rumors of a spinoff here and there i still hear rumors Same. of a movie here and there you, you're probably going to see Ted Lasso again in some fashion or form, but the series-wise, it looks like it will be ending after this season. But here today to talk about it, good man indeed. Please go ahead and appreciate every time he's here, like we do. It is Marcus De La Garza, my good friend. Marcus, great to have you back. Sounding be better back. than ever. <sighs> but when I, I hit you hard with that, my friend, when I sent you the DM because I got wind of it, because you know me, I'm always scanning the trade papers and the trade sites. And You're always on up. it, man. Always. I'm trying to be. I try to go ahead and make sure that everybody knows, you know, as far as our followers are concerned, what's up to date. And I had to be the bearer of news when I posted that, but I wanted to send you a personal DM. Your thoughts originally when you heard that Ted Lasso, after season three, in a uh, TV series status will be no more. You know, you really broke my heart that day, but I do have to say, I knew, I knew that we were going to be coming to a close soon. I thought we were going to get a fourth season out of it, but you did break my heart that day. I have since come to terms with the fact that yes, this is a show that has a very limited arc and uh, Brett Goldstein and Jason Sudeikis are right for, for trying to keep this, uh, keep this curtailed. You know, it doesn't need to go six seasons in a movie. This isn't community. We just need to learn some lessons and have some good laughs. Well, I bet you it will come to a movie. I bet you there will be something <laughs> down the line with a Ted Lasso movie or something extended for it. Uh, I know that spinoffs have been talked about, but I really think they're, yep. they're going to not just drop dead this Ted Lasso character unless he drops dead at the end of Ted Lasso. I think that this show, this series, which, again, you absolutely loved from the get-go. I thought it was okay, and you really yep. vilified me for it. I mean, <laughs> obviously, critical-wise and Metacritic-wise, it's one of the highest-rated comedies of all time. Uh, I've gotten into it after season three. You know, getting into it three seasons in, I'm starting to really connect with the characters and, and yep. see that this is really something special. It's taken me a while. It's been a slow burn for me, but... Your thoughts and your reflections on Ted Lasso over the course of now, what, almost three seasons full on exactly what Ted Lasso's legacy uh, for a streaming show. Again, there are other streaming shows that are also ending. Secession is also ending as well. It's run yeah. after four seasons. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, that's also one of the highest rated I shows know, yeah, of yeah. all time as well. But 
you know, you see these streaming series three to five seasons long and then they're done. Uh, it's not overstaying its welcome, that's for sure. It's not overstaying its welcome. And I think uh, the last thing, one of the last things I said was uh, that, you know, it's teaching us some life lessons and also giving us some laughs. And I really do think that's going to be the legacy of this show. Uh, you know, it, it came to the forefront of everybody's uh, attention during the pandemic. And with that, uh, we, we learned some hard lessons in a time where we probably needed them and also got some really great laughs at a time when we needed them. So the legacy for me for Ted Lasso is going to be the impact that it had on all of us in a very short amount of time and the life lessons that it taught us. But really, it's it's profound to see the impact that it's having, you know, especially with the cast and being at the White House recently. You just mentioned that they were at the White House with the POTUS and FLOTUS. The, they each got a jersey. If I don't know if you saw that picture, but great PR for the mental health community. And 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 I think Jason Sudeikis is really taking his moment to capitalize on the fame that Ted Lasso has and trying to make sure that, you know, we're, we're becoming better as not only viewers, but maybe as a nation. So and, um, and try to steer away from his marriage and relationship status and all that stuff. It wasn't, you know, that, that deal going on between him and Olivia Wilde. And I don't, you know, this show doesn't really cover into those type of details nor do I wish to, but yeah, it's been a really positive thing going forward for him. I think yep. now that he can focus on Ted Lasso, and what that series is going to end up being like. I bet it's been more refreshing for him to be doing what he's doing right now as opposed to what was being done, let's say, this time last year. You know, it's it's been awesome to see the the way that the storyline has evolved. You know, you, you mentioned that Brett Goldstein, or the the, the writing crew for Ted Lasso, had, had decided three seasons was enough. And, you know, I think that he's got a great cast around him, Jason Sudeikis, that is, not only just in the casting department, but in the writing department. So... Um, it's kind of awesome to see where they've taken this show in a very short amount of time. And I actually want to ask you, Gerald, what do you think the impact is here for you? Because this is this is a show that you were reluctant to embrace it at first, but you've gotten on board, and I think that the, that merits a discussion as well. Well, I'm not going to become as attached as I was uh, Superstore, which I thought oh, was one yeah. of the best uh, comedies of the past decade. And uh, to me, I really thought that NBC just really dropped the ball on it and it kind of just they they stopped it short I thought it still had more legs to go on and uh, you know the lead character also left for a long period of time so yeah just a lot of myriad of issues kind of uh, whittled that show down and I was really disheartened about that one but with Ted Lasso again for me it's a slow burn uh, I finally realized exactly now why the charm of the actual shows concerned I thought it was a little bit goofy uh, yeah. at first but uh, i really see that there's a poignancy and a seriousness underneath that tone that, that really people need to go ahead and consider when they're watching it and i know it's it really got its charm amongst millions of viewers out there so i, I am development now, for me is second to none gerald and that's yeah really absolutely it just did a great job of that and i think that's what stuck with me as i finally started to go ahead and catch episodes from season two and, and now into season three is that it's stopped being as goofy and started telling more story. And I think yep. once it started developing the characters even more, like you said, and stopped focusing a hundred percent and being reliant on, on being just a comedy and which is still is a great comedy indeed. And, and for the most part, most of the jokes, you know, they do uh, hit on, on all cylinders. I'm just glad again, that, that I'm able to appreciate it on its way out. It won't, connect with me as much as you or many of the other fans are out there. But at least, like I said, I now at the end can finally appreciate it for what it truly is. 
And I appreciate that. I mean, at the end of the day, as long as we have another Ted Lasso fan in the uh, in the pop culture family, that's all that matters. There you go. That all it's all that matters. I never said I didn't like it. I just thought it was <laughs> eh, all right at first because again, you know, with me and sitcoms, I'm really very particular about my sitcoms. It really has to go ahead and be very insightful or very smart as far as the way it goes about its comedy. It just can't put dumb jokes up there in a laugh track and expect me to laugh. You could sit me down and watch, have me watch all the broadcast television comedies out there. And I don't think I probably could laugh once at something that's funny out there because it just, the writing is just what you're limited on in broadcast television is really, really, really constrained, which is why I like Superstore so much because it was just found a way to find really a connectivity with me as far as the writing is concerned but when it concerns doing some streaming things because it's streaming you're allowed to do a little bit more you're allowed to a little yep. bit to go your your boundaries are a little bit extended so your comedies can go ahead and do a little bit more to a taste where i'm actually more able to go ahead and appreciate and it it's taken some time but absolutely uh, something i do appreciate thanks for checking out the pcc you know the pop culture cosmos we'll be back in one moment Action Figure Adventure is back with Season 2, and we're going further than ever before, checking out more toy stores than ever before, and seeing more incredible, iconic, and noteworthy pieces than you could possibly imagine. Once again, Jay grapples with how to build the ultimate action figure auction to support critically and terminally ill kids in need. Along the way, we'll chat about holy grail figures, perfect action figures, and showcase some incredible toy collections. Action Figure Adventure Season 2. One of the things that has been talked about, my friend, is spinoffs, a movie. My money here yep. in Vegas is that I'm going to say right now that I think that there's going to be a movie two, three years down the line for some type of Ted Lasso movie. I think that's a given. What would you do as far as the spinoffs concerned? Because if you're Apple TV Plus and you're seeing one of your top rated shows going off the air, you want to try to do anything you can to save that kind of momentum. What would you be looking at doing for a spinoff for Ted Lasso? You know, I just got done watching episode two of season three, and uh, I would say that the spinoff is looking like Keeley at this point in time. You could do a wonderful storyline on Keeley and her uh, brand new business that she's uh, curating for season three for us. We're really getting to see the development of her business and the people around her that she's going to be installing. So I think that it would be ripe for a, a wonderful spinoff. And I think that there was about 870,000 viewers that tuned in for uh, episode one of season three. So I think a lot of those viewers would tune in for the Keeley Jones uh, public relations uh, TV spinoff, uh, should should it ever happen, you know. So that would be my choice at this point. But at the same time, maybe you could do a Roy spinoff and, and maybe Roy goes out on a soul-searching journey uh, a la Ted and comes over to the States and we get a, a little bit more comedy that way. So there's a few different avenues I think you could go down, but my money's on Keely right now. She's the okay. uh, fan favorite. She's a fan favorite, but also is she the one that you think could carry a series on her own? Obviously with an eclectic mix of characters, yep. new characters, and maybe a couple old ones mixed in with her but you think she could really carry a series on her own i do i think uh if you had some guest stars showing up from the actual ted lasso series so you know brett goldstein makes some re reappearances here and there the guy that plays jamie tart and even rebecca i think that there is a lot of room for her and higgins's character to show up in keely's new uh tv show should that ever happen i would love to see that really develop because uh, 
as a person, as a character, we've seen Keely overcome so much throughout the series. So I think that her getting her own spinoff would be a great uh, look for the for her as a character. And I think it would be a great way to keep the, the rest of the cast engaged for that movie that comes out in three years or, you know, whatever, whatever ends up happening there, Gerald. Oh, I, I'm sure it would probably be a less turnaround time than that as far as a spinoff series. I think Apple TV Plus will probably, you know, pull the the gun on that as far as boom, they'll start that up as far as getting that, that taken care of. Uh, TJ Johnson's here. I have this to add this to my watch list on Apple Plus. Uh, I don't think you'll regret it, TJ, my friend, who has also appeared so many times on the Pop Culture Cosmos, in fact, on our Monday show. So I really think that if this, you you know, if you are a fan of Apple TV Plus and like TJ, I think you should go ahead and add this into it. Just check it out, see what you think. Uh, it is one of Apple TV Plus's better uh i guess series attempts at doing kind of entertainment they're not really dipping their their feet full in they still have a ways to go pachinko of course severance which is the all-time yep. greatest thing to ever happen to apple tv plus in my opinion uh, they Ooh. have some other things stuff to t- movies that tj and i have talked about as well but i really think that apple tv plus has yet to really put both feet in the water and I think that could be holding back why Apple TV Plus hasn't gotten off to a bigger platform than maybe some of its uh, you know, fellow streamers out there. Interesting point there, Gerald. Uh, I would love to uh, I'd love to dive deeper into your thoughts on maybe even Severance. Uh, but should, oh, should Severance we... is the bomb. Severance was my uh, pick for the top pop culture thing of 2022. Do you know that I've I've pulled so many fans in Apple TV Plus with Ted Lasso and Severance alone, and I feel like <laughs> I'm I'm one of the reasons why Apple TV Plus is still a platform, <laughs> and that's that's weird because again, you know, with all the the Apple products that are out there, you would think okay, maybe maybe they had the bad deal with the YouTube thing. YouTube is my all time favorite band, but you know, Ooh, trying to yeah, force feed, yeah, trying to force feed every YouTube on every single device that that was obviously a bad move. In hindsight, maybe they're afraid of doing something like that with Apple TV Plus, but. I think there are many ways that they need to go as far as to expand beyond. I think they also need to increase their programming outlet as well. I mean, something that I ask a lot of these streamers to do, you need to go ahead and and look at seriously as far as the content that you're putting out there, more quality, and then obviously trying to go ahead and put out enough quantity that will keep people coming back for more. But yeah, when it comes to Apple TV+, Plus, I really think that you will see more Ted Lasso, the spinoffs, of course, but... If you were also as well after the season ends, and I'm going to go ahead and hit you up with one more last question on the finality of season three here in a minute. But if you were to look beyond a Ted Lasso series into a Ted Lasso movie or movies, how would you structure that out? Not knowing what's coming up for the end of Ted Lasso in season three. All right. So you said something very intriguing that got me thinking here. So you said that if Ted doesn't die at the end of the series, if and Ted doesn't I'd, die, I get hit by a soccer ball and keels over. Right. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't pull the the Danny Rojas, you know, gets hit by. A and I'm just going to say it out loud. If he dies, it's because he wanted to kill off this character. Yeah. And at that. Ridiculous. Yeah. And, and I think there's a possibility that happens. I think Vegas is definitely looking at a, a potentiality of that one. But should he not die at the end of the series? I think that, you know, maybe Ted leaves Richmond after they successfully remain in the Premier League and uh, returns home to the States and, uh, you know, coaches uh, in the States for a few more years before makes uh, before making an appearance 
to rugby. I think that might be our, our movie. We got a little reference to it with Dr. Sharon in, in episode one of season three. Uh, I would love to see Ted take on a new sport uh, eventually. And I think that his coaching style is just universal. So, but seriously, if it's not rugby, he'll be making a return to the Premier League and coaching either his players for one more journey or whatever it is. I think that there's uh, definitely a path forward for the movie. I just, it's hard to predict, man. I think that, you know, if the Keeley thing takes off, great. We, we find a way to work that in. She becomes his PR agent. Uh, we develop a movie from there because somebody's looking for a new coach. What, what have you? We'll figure it out, though. It, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the future, Gerald. I'm excited still, too. But reflecting back, my friend, you are the biggest Ted Lasso fan I have ever met. And in doing so, I wanted to give you the fight. Exactly right there. Absolutely right there. <laughs> I've got a and sign in, in the back so, of my office that says, be a goldfish. Just reminding me to be a goldfish, Sam. Be a goldfish. Absolutely. You be that goldfish indeed. But before we head it out, my friend, I just wanted to go ahead and give you the final word on what Ted Lasso as a series, as the season winds down, the final season, what it means to you, what it truly, truly means to you. To me, it means inspiration. And you look at Ted and he went into the face of uncertainty and he's emerged on the other side, you know, successful every time, remaining optimistic. So it's taught me a lot of life lessons in the last you know, few years. And I think that I've tried to be the best Ted Lasso that I can as I've continued to uh, progress as a person. So I would hesitate to say that without Ted Lasso, I wouldn't be the person I am today. And uh, I think that it's it's doing just that for more than just me. It's taught a lot of life lessons to a lot of people. And uh, I think the legacy just is going to be that it was a great show, a great character, and uh, hopefully there's a movie in another two years. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it is Marcus De La Garza, the former host of the PCC Multiverse. He still is here and, and willing to go ahead and talk about well, The Expanse, but doesn't sound like much is going on with The Expanse. Ooh, but... No, we've got a, a comic book Ooh. series coming. Yeah. A comic book series. Okay. Well, you got to give me the update on that when, oh, when yeah. it gets into yeah. your hands, my friend. So that would be awesome to hear. Plus also Ted Lasso. He's coming back whenever he can. It's always great to have you, Marcus, here. I truly appreciate all the time that you have taken for me as far as doing the show, just doing that for so many years with me, but also just been so incredibly gracious to me as far as coming back now to talk Ted Lasso, your thoughts. You're being that goldfish, my friend. You're being that <laughs> goldfish. So that you just go ahead and continue to be that goldfish. It is Marcus De La Garza. Please go ahead and check him out. Our entire archive of shows on the PC Multiverse for years. You can check that out right now at Pop Culture Cosmos. Marcus, it's been such a great time having you back. Love those old memories you and I are rekindling oh, yeah. each and every time out right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Welcome back to the PCC Multiverse. It's Gerald Glassford. Come right back at you here. 
thought I would end the show with our good friend and fellow host of the PCC Multiverse, Melinda Barkhouse Ross. So Melinda, how you been doing? I've been good. Uh, I've been keeping busy. We uh, are back on a regular release schedule for Vampires and Vitae. So uh, you'll start to catch up with us this coming Friday. And yeah, we're excited in case you've missed the live streams uh, for people to uh, finally be able to dig into that audio that I've been extremely lax in publishing recently. So I'm glad to be back on the back on the editing train. First thing first, The Mandalorian season three doing well so far. What are your thoughts on an updated Mandalorian after episode four? I'm enjoying the ride so far. I think that the story is interesting and, uh, you know, going back to Mandalore and down into the the mines and the living waters and, and all of that. And it's been really very interesting and uh, I'm really enjoying this season. And I, I mean, I enjoyed the previous seasons, but this one, yeah, I think they may have taken, uh, you know, some of the feedback from the book of Boba Fett and, you know, how people found that to be quite slow until the Mandalorian showed up in, in that show. So, you know, I, I think that they've uh, taken notes, but I'm not I'm not upset about a show that moves quick and that has fast yeah. pacing. I, you know, I like that. I, I like when I turn off a TV show and I'm like what just happened that was a wild and then you find yourself having to rewatch it before you know the next episode so you make sure that you got all of the little easter eggs and all the little nuances that kind of pop in here and there in the show i think it's great well if you have thoughts on the mandalorian please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com i did want to tell you one of the best things i've seen this year is right now on disney plus backed up by their recent album release songs of surrender a lot of the songs from the past from u2 have been redone and remade masterfully in songs of surrender that's now available out in retail stores wherever you can go ahead and get your music songs of surrender highly recommended but what i recommend even more is the disney plus documentary featuring the edge and bono in bono and the edge a sort of homecoming starring David Lennerman, as he interviews the guys in Ireland and also experiences a lot of Irish culture. Your thoughts on maybe even checking out Disney Plus's latest music documentary, especially after the great one that they did with the Beatles. This is an excellent follow-up with Bono and the Edge, a sort of homecoming. Yeah, I think if you have David Letterman involved in any kind of interview style uh, show or, or documentary or mockumentary or what have you, um, I think it's going to do well. Letterman seems to be able to get, you know, really good stuff uh, out of his uh, interview subjects. So I'm not surprised to hear that it's very good. And uh, yeah, it's definitely one that I will check out. It's I, I mean, it's not going to be on my got to watch it tonight list, but it's definitely going to be on my I know. I'm sorry. Uh, it but needs it, to be. <laughs> it will be one that I that I definitely check out. I mean, you know, coming from the the radio background that I have, you know, I've been playing you two for years uh, on the radio and and uh, talking about the band. I don't think I ever interviewed them. It seems to me I haven't. I feel like it's something I would remember. I also have a terrible memory, admittedly. So, but yeah, no, it, it's always interesting to down and be able to get straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, look into these bigger than life bands, the, the Rolling Stones, uh, if Prince had done something like this before his unfortunate passing, you know, it's absolutely something that I would have 
watched and watched and watched. So I, I understand where you're coming from and it, it'll be something that I absolutely check out eventually. It is Bono and the Edge, a sort of homecoming available right now on Disney Plus. I highly recommend it. You should give it a watch. It is really a great documentary. Plus also their new album is now available, Songs of Surrender. So go ahead and check that out today wherever you get your music. And if you have thoughts on latest U2 album and documentary, please go ahead and let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Speaking of words that start with S, it is the final season of Secession. It's going on right now on HBO. Highly acclaimed. Everybody is just talking about it nonstop. It is one of the most talked about series of the past four seasons it's finally going on in its final season in the fourth season so your thoughts on how great this show is it's really doing well right now everyone out there especially the critics yeah and it's it's always great to see i mean it, you can argue that the the reason why succession is interesting is the same reason why oh shoot i just had it in my head the kevin costner show yellowstone thank you same reason why that show uh partly i think it is so interesting for people to watch and it's that interfighting uh inside of these incredibly wealthy families and i think we just love to see rich folks doing questionable things in a fictional way mm -hmm. <laughs> lord heaven knows we see enough of it in real life but to be able to see it fictionalized like that uh, is always interesting to people. And when you have writers who can continue to deliver twist after twist after twist, then you have a recipe for absolute success. So I'm not surprised that a show like this is doing so well. What are your thoughts out there on HBO's succession in its final season as it heads towards the home stretch? Are you going to be missing the inner fighting of one of the most critically acclaimed shows of the past few years? Please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com but my friend news updates keep on a coming because it's here it's john wick it's chapter four and it's available this weekend in theaters your thoughts is this the movie that's going to send you back to the theaters yeah, it's it's finally, I know I've probably said it a couple of times, but this is going to be the movie that gets me back into the movie theater. I'm I'm really very much looking forward to it. I I love the the build of this universe and this world that uh, all of these people exist in. I think it's really intriguing. I think that they give you just enough to make each movie feel fresh. And yeah, I'm I'm very much uh looking forward to paying too much money for popcorn but sitting down and really enjoying a movie <laughs> the reviews have been fantastic for the movie, really getting high scores including a 10 on ign do you think after the success for this movie because it's projected to do over a hundred million dollars worldwide at the box office maybe even closer to 120 or even 150 in its first weekend do you see a future continuing for the John Wick saga. Yeah, and that was uh, actually a, an interview question that I was watching uh, with Keanu earlier was, you know, is there a John Wick 5? Is there a John Wick 6? And they were like, are you getting tired of this role? Are you getting tired of the physical demands that this role has? And he was like, no, hey, when you have a, a passion project, you find a way. So that bodes nothing but good things, I think, for John Wick fans. Well, let us know if you're excited as we are about John Wick 4. 
coming out to theaters gonna do big numbers are you gonna be part of those big numbers let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also want to mention resident evil 4 remake is now available on consoles getting high marks just as we've seen this year already from dead space remake and also metroid prime reloaded that's also out on the switch your thoughts, Melinda, this is really something special that we're seeing, all these great remakes. I think now is a great time to be a console owner because all these remakes that we're seeing are really getting very special, very well done. And I think that these developers, they really are getting a handle on how to really bring out the nostalgia on these remakes, but still provide it for a new audience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, uh, I mean, obviously that's that's the name of the game is to, you know, breathe some life back into these I IPs and bring them to these new audiences, but also be able to say thank you to the fans who've been playing these games for years and in some cases have never stopped playing them. And I think that understanding uh, the gaming community now, I, I feel like the gaming community has been upset about enough things and expressed their dislike for enough things over the years that it seems like developers are finally at a point where they're truly paying attention and it's not just giving lip service anymore to fans. I think that they are truly starting to understand that if we're going to do this, we have to do it respectfully, we have to do it correctly, and we have to make sure that we are bringing something truly special to the fans who've been with us for, you know, decades in some cases. And it's time for us as well to be able to take these great IPs that are going to be completely new to a younger segment of the audience as well and be able to deliver to the level that they expect as well. So I, I think that finally, uh, it feels like gamers have been heard. Now, what are your thoughts on some of these newer games? Like, for instance, Horizon Forbidden West. I don't know. I, I just have an issue with those being remade so soon and then being tacked on for a $70 price point on top of it, like we saw with The Last of Us that was redone again for the second time and put on PS5 and given that $70 retag on it. I have an issue with it, but I know there's a market out for it. So as long as it keeps on selling, I guess, you know, you keep on doing it. But I just think I have a problem with some of these recent games that are being redone or being planned on being redone being repackaged and resold at full price. Sure, but in order to be able to, I think, keep uh, some of those five or six-year-old games relevant and interesting to an audience with the consoles that are out now, like the PS5 and, and the latest Xbox, I think that you need to refurbish those games so they look just as good as uh, games that are coming out right now. I, I think that it's a, it's, a, it's a matter of kind of keeping up with the Joneses a little bit, I think. What are your thoughts out there on Resident Evil 4, the remake, also as well, Dead Space and Metroid Prime, all three getting high scores. A lot of people loving these games. Your thoughts on that? Plus, are you okay with these more modern recent games also being planned on being remade or retouched upon? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, it's time now, Melinda, to tell everybody about the Great open beta this weekend that's going to be available for all those console. Speaking of video games, because Diablo 4 is coming out as an open beta 
Last week was a beta for individuals that pre-ordered the game and got a code, if they were lucky, from KFC, which I know for you was a little bit of an issue. So please let us know your thoughts, not only on the issues that you had last week, but are you still excited for Diablo 4 to play the open beta this weekend? It turns out I was, you know, following on on Twitter and stuff like that. And we weren't the only people that it didn't work exactly as advertised for. And that was truly unfortunate. And the, the really very frustrating part of that whole experience was that, you know, I I went to KFC to get the code and the the code never arrived. Oops. Yeah. So I was like, you know, maybe it was my mistake. So let me order because it was it wasn't just on the double down sandwich. There were some different combos and and other food items that you could okay. get. And so and we we got that and we got uh, two other meals that were also listed uh, underneath the hey this will get you a Diablo code. Uh, so mm-hmm. I went ahead and I ordered uh, another sandwich. Just maybe I my phone number wasn't right. Maybe my uh, email I didn't had sloppy fingers. Maybe when I tried to put that in, maybe there was a typo. And still no code. The frustrating part was that nobody seemed to be able to help me. Nobody with their customer service was able to answer any questions that I had. Uh, Their automated prompt uh, thing that they have on their website was absolutely useless. You would call their customer service line, be on hold for 10 minutes, and then it would just hang up. And he sent an email, which I guess just went into outer space. Perhaps it's landed on Mars at this point. I'm not sure where it ended up, but it certainly didn't land in front of anybody who was willing to help me out at all. So that part was truly very frustrating. The bottom line is I'm going to play Diablo this weekend. I could have played it last weekend if KFC had to help me out a little bit and hooked a girl up, but they decided that wasn't the case. Uh, and uh, it was that for me and, uh, you know, a few other people that I've been uh, following on Facebook as well. Not Facebook, sorry, on Twitter. It deters me from KFC. It doesn't deter me from Diablo. My experience wasn't quite that traumatic, but it was close. You know, there, there was no hospital visit needed, but there was just uh, a lot of frustration yeah. last weekend. <laughs> well, I mean, I might have been a little heated for a minute, but, you know, I, I did calm down. It was like, okay, step back from this, girl. It is a video game. It's, it's going to be okay. At the very worst, what's going to happen is you'll play it in June. <laughs> so that's the worst thing that's going to happen here. Take a step back from all of this and give it five minutes and come back to it. But everything that I'm reading about uh, people who were able to get in and and didn't have to wait in the the huge queues that there were to actually get into the servers and stuff and were able to play through the first act of the game, uh, I've heard nothing but good stuff, which I'm absolutely over the moon about. So the things that I'm hearing about the game, even though I wasn't able to play it, KFC, grr, you know, I'm I'm glad to hear that things are are good for uh, the next coming of Diablo. I'm so ready for it. I have pre-bought my five-hour energy so I can get in some good game time this weekend. Are you going to be like Melinda and playing the open beta for Diablo 4 this weekend? Share us your thoughts after you're done. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on how good and how promising Diablo 4 is after the open beta. Looking forward to playing it ourselves. Melinda, are you going to be able to get a chance to go ahead and share your time on the console playing Diablo 4 with Robbie Ross this weekend? 
Well, you see, uh, I've kind of lucked out a little bit because he's going to be at work for most of the weekend up at the Las Vegas ballpark. So uh, he's going to be off doing that. I'm going to be home figuring out all of the the tricks for Diablo 4. And then when he comes home, I'll just be able to kick his butt. So it's going to be pretty fun for me. So I'm I'm very excited. Just wanted to make sure. Yes. Once again, it is Diablo 4, the open beta. Please let us know your thoughts this weekend on if you really, really are looking forward to the game after playing it, PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Melinda, it's been a fantastic episode. You've been great as always, but can you give us an update on what's going on with all the tabletop RPG action that you're playing and that you're covering for Vampires and Vitae and Wizards and Wine? So uh, Vampires and Vitae, we're, we're in this funny flux right now uh, where because of the ball season now is kind of uh, in starting up. So Robbie's commitment to the ballpark takes priority over Vampires and Vitae. Shocking, but it is true. So we've kind of unofficially paused uh, until we can figure out where the schedule is going to land and if we need to move the day for the live stream and all of that stuff. But we are back to releasing regular podcast episodes starting tomorrow. So if you've been a little bit behind starting tomorrow, you're going to be able to get caught back up. And for Wizards and Wine, uh, I get back to the Halifax table this coming Monday. And I've got a feeling because this chapter that we're in for Tither, um, I knew was going to be short. And I have a feeling they're going to face off against a hag this coming Monday, which is really quick. It was only, I think, three, maybe four sessions at most. Uh, so uh, there there was no lie in that when I was researching everything about the Wild Beyond the Witchlight. So there could be some high drama, intense combat moments uh, coming our way on Monday with Wizards and Wine. Sounds like exciting stuff there, Melinda. So please, everyone, check out what she, Robbie Ross, and the whole gang are doing today at Vampires and Vitae, also as well, Wizards and Wine. Catch it on YouTube, both their YouTube channels, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please go ahead and check out the live streams, the back recordings, the audio podcasts, everything that you can do to support what she's doing at Vampires and Vitae, and of course, Wizards and Wine as well. But Melinda, it's been a great episode. Cannot thank TJ Johnson, here for the last of us talk and also marcus de la garza your predecessor at the pcc multiverse i cannot thank all three of you enough for everything that you've done for today's show and also pop culture cosmos truly appreciated what we got coming up for you on monday is a special episode it's the state of pro wrestling for march 2023 john orlando from the pvd cast he's coming back for some great fun so looking forward to another Awesome conversation. Road to WrestleMania is already on the way. It heads to Southern California next weekend. That's right. WrestleMania goes Hollywood next weekend, and we'll make sure we cover it with all the key matches. We'll go ahead and talk about that, plus what's going on in WWE, plus some interesting things going on in the world of wrestling. We'll cover it all for you as best we can on the State of Pro Wrestling coming up on the Monday show right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in PCC Multiverse. Thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great